Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. Time to take this submarine back up. Oh, but it's tax season up there, Captain. You know, all that stressing over taxes isn't necessary with Tax Act. How did you get... April here. To remind you that with Tax Act, you're guaranteed your maximum refund while filing for less. Beats being submerged for another month. Hey, Captain. To your stations. We're headed home. Guess I should probably close that window I opened. What? Kidding. Tax Act. Switch to Tax Act today and start for free. See TaxAct.com for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Get Out of Rap. Today, my guest is Neris Caulfield. Neris has spent almost two decades owning the P&L and uh, SLA delivery of contact centres services for many brands, um, Volkswagen, Vodafone, British Gas being amongst them. And now Neris runs Injection Consulting, who provide contact centre consultancy. So really experienced and knowledgeable. And as a result of that, I don't know how you manage to fit in the time, Neris, but you're also a judge for the European Contact Centre and Customer Service Awards and the UK CCF Awards and a former chair of the DMA Contact Centre Council. Well, it's a lot there. Hi, Neris. Thank you very much for joining me. Hi, Martin. Yeah, good to be on here. I haven't got much time. I've got lots to do. (laughs) (laughs) You have, haven't you? This will be like a a five-minute one. So what what a lot of stuff that you you have done and you do, but all within um, contact centres. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think like a lot of people, perhaps it's not the intention to stay within contact centres, but it's such a rich and uh, experience and certainly as a as a consultant I get to, to go into contact centres probably once a week across lots of different sectors and they are always learning there's always different ways and approaches some some definite definite commonalities but yeah it's a great great industry and I'm I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm happy to immerse myself in it all the time. Yes ditto what would you say um, I, I mean I just the fact that you're kind of in a different contact centre every week. Um, what are the sort of things that you're there to do? What are you helping them um, achieve? So I, I've ended up in a position where I am sort of the middleware between IT and operations. So I work on behalf of quite a lot of uh, different contact centre technology vendors or, and, and have done. So I know the technology landscape very well, but that, that came after understanding the operational side. So what I do when I go in there is do quite a lot of contact center audits. So I'm working generally on behalf of the IT side of the business, but I spend my time with the operational side. So I have workshops with the team leaders. I sit for a long time with headsets and on and listen to the operators watching how they interface with their technology. Um, and then just understand their overall goals and their pain points and then feed that back to both the operations and IT teams and try and sort of galvanize them into a position where they understand where both teams need to go and what they need to do to invest um, their time and their their sort of technology investments in the right way to, to achieve their goals. So that's what, I, that's what I spend my time doing. That's fascinating. Do you... Um... That kind of the the base of your experience of then being operational, but now work now kind of being on both sides of the fence. What have you seen? Is it fair to say there's a general kind of belief that um, both customer expectations and therefore the customer experience that's required of contact centres to deliver has increased in terms of expectations? What's required? How does that work and what have you seen in terms of how that works between IT and operations? Because technology being this kind of great enabler for people to be able to to do that and keep up with those expectations. But 
Yeah, it's, it is really fascinating. And what I find, what I'm seeing a little bit more of at the moment is the, there's, a, there's a bigger gap forming between what IT teams are very aware that they can go and buy and the functionality that they could go and invest in. But actually then operationally, people still haven't operationalized some really fundamentals. So the tech, the ability and the functionality within the technical space is almost going ahead of where the operations teams are able to operationalize and say, yes, I can take full advantage of, you know, bots and, and biometrics and all that side of, you know, all the things that the tech spaces are able to do. And also there's sort of a more of a complex landscape now for the agents. So whereas perhaps they used to have a couple of applications on their desktop, now if there's investment going on with adjunct technologies like a bit of web chat here, a social media interaction here, um, you know, you've now got these real-time listening tools, analysing them, and then you've got the UC application, so they might have a bit of Skype or a bit of Microsoft Teams on their desktop. So the desktop experience for agents is actually becoming, I think, more complicated. And how, you know, you say um, that gap is widening. So I'm sure I read somewhere that, um, to, to your point, actually, that there's five to seven different applications is the average. Would that be right oh, in your yeah. experience? Without a doubt, yeah. I've been to somewhere they've had 17. Some wow. really complex, <laughs> yeah, some really concept, complex financial institutions. I was at an insurance company last week. Yeah, some of those much more um, in-depth uh, environments. Yeah, absolutely. Five to six is, is really pretty standard. And, of course, you know, if I go in and there's one monitor, I think – oh, look, these guys have got a really nice single pane of glass interface going on. They must have their CRM is either front or their um, contact center application is front. And then you go and you go, nope, this is should be a two-monitor environment because these poor guys are switching between, you know, a bit of Outlook and just, yeah, it's messy. It's messy on the desktops. And when you say that the gap is is widening, how how best do you ad- address that? What what kind of tips can you share? So I think there's a real lack of perhaps appreciation of each other's positions between the CIO and the CTO or head of contact centre and head of IT. There's a real, not a, a wall, but you very rarely see them working closely together mm. and understanding each other's positions. So, so my first Point is to try and elevate the position of ops because um, I think perhaps the IT team own the budget for the investment in the technology. Perhaps the CTO has been on the board for longer than the COO, if the COO has even managed to get a seat at the board. So just generally in profile wise, I think it's about demonstrating to the technical people that these guys have a really critical, important part in choosing their technology investment, in outlining the communication strategy, the customer experience strategy. And actually, you need to deliver technology that facilitates that, not the other way around. You Mm -hmm. can't go off and buy a shiny new toy tech people just because you've been turned on by what the Gartner Quadrant tells you and what you've seen at Contact Centre Expo. You need to make sure that your operations team are set up to deliver all the benefits that that functionality is set out to do because, by and large, I see people using a third of, of the technical capabilities. Mm. So. And that, that it is some of that then, that kind of alignment at the, the two heads of the senior strategic alignment, does that then need to be um, followed through into the experience, both from a customer point of view, but also the people in operations? Yeah, definitely. It, it's 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 end to end, and it doesn't. It's not a start and finish. This isn't just a one off investment thing either. I really do think customer experience um, steering committees, which I've 
seen and been part of are ongoing and drive continual improvement and they need to have um, a cross-section from agents. I think having agents on the CX steering committees is really vital. You know, I say to customers all the time, these guys are listening to, are speaking to 50 to 70 of your customers all day, every day. Get them involved. Understand, you're right, yeah, you Mm -hmm. should call dispositions, but they'll tell you, they'll tell you what's happening with the customers. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So get them involved, get ops involved, get IT involved, um, and make sure that your goals are clearly defined and you know where you're going. And that might be very crude commercial objectives. Um, It might be we need to cut 15 heads, we need to cut our contacts. And that's fine because ultimately you are going to experience attrition. So it's just about not replacing the attrition that you will naturally experience. Or it might be that you move and redeploy people and be much more proactive with the capacity that you've managed to free up through driving down inefficiencies, moving your contacts to self-serve or shifting across channels. So so there's real definition about the goals that you're trying to achieve as a, as a team. And it really is a customer experience team. And it does have to include both ops and IT in that team. And I, I just see so often that the barrier between those two teams means that customer experience goals just fall through that chasm. And it is a big cat. In some instances, it's it's sort of like that. Literally, they can't stand each other. Like, <laughs> how, how did that come about? Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's it's very odd. It's really odd. But they have to walk in each other's shoes because similarly, ops um, need to have a bit of a one hundred and one on on the challenges that IT face. You know, how their infrastructure is. What does where their decision making is based. Why they're why they're looking to invest in certain infrastructure and um, that side of things. So, so it is it is a two way thing. I think you know what I think. This really this is this resonates with me, and I'm sure it's going to resonate with with people listening. I'm going to try as best as possible to stay <laughs> impartial. Yeah, I know because it's not like there's one or the other. Because I've um, in previous roles worked when we've worked really like you say really really closely my background being operations really Mm. closely with it um that kind of implementation has both been i've seen both sides so ones where i would say in the past you get told uh, after the whole decision's been made so you're kind of going oh we're having a new telephony Mm. system put in Mm. or we're having i can remember we're having a new um, uh, automatically popping IVR system put in or whatever it may have been. Yeah. And it's kind of like, oh, uh, why? <laughs> and then yeah. what, what it had, the, what the impact it had was, as you said earlier, with all of my teams, every team member, every agent said when it, it didn't do what it was meant to do and, in fact, made just doing the job slightly more challenging – people said we could have told you this from day one and then that had the impact of people then lost a little bit of faith in leadership because they thought exactly yeah exactly that exactly that and you're right you know I have I look at project plans for new technology deployment and the agent's first experience will be at UAT two Mm -hmm. weeks before it goes live it's like that is inexcusable, really. Mm. It is inexcusable because they are the end users. They are, and they are absolutely fundamental in terms of its its um, adoption, and and the usability. You know, the investment that these companies are making in new technology is not immaterial at all, and but they do seem to just go on a track where they forget that there's functionality within there that needs to be adopted. That, Like, for example, call outcomes. It's such a simple thing, isn't it? Mm, um, yeah. The, applicate, the use of call outcomes. But sometimes you get IT people de- t- deciding how the call outcomes, how the skills routine is going to work, how the IVR flow is going to work. It's like they are really big key parts yeah. of, of um, customer experience. And then, like you say, there's sometimes a bit of buyer's 
remorse or the, the, the tension and the friction is exacerbated as a consequence of not working together initially before investing in new technology or just generally not having an appreciation you know I was with somebody last week and I always ask this question to IT people when's the last time you put a splitter on and went and sat on the calling floors same with um, COOs because sometimes they're way too removed from the Mm. situation you know and they're paying me to tell them stuff that actually they'd have just spent an hour with a splitter on their um, head, they'd have worked it out themselves. They don't need yeah. me to go in and, and tell them that their baby perhaps could be a little bit prettier. That's great. I love that, though, because that kind of then addresses that um, point, I was, the, the experience I was relating around people saying, we could have told you this. How is, mm. this, hel- how is mm. this helping me do my job? It's not. Mm. It's actually made it more difficult. And then do you see, I guess, the flip side of that, which is, and you mentioned this before, this underutilization of the capability that sometimes within the technology and because it hasn't, there hasn't been this kind of collaborative joined up approach that things are sat, parts are sat unused or? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's my life. Yeah, no, I do. I really do. And I think it's easy to just, the, the reality is with ops, the technology, and I think when you run an operation, as long as it's not falling down all the time, you sort of, you will live with what you perhaps instinctively know is inefficient. You know it's not good having an agent sitting there um, redistributing emails out to colleagues or counting your emails from your outlook, but you live with it because overall it's a, you know, buy the seat of your pants, deliver your SLAs, deliver your KPIs, worry about the fact that your agents haven't turned, you know, you've got three no-show, no-calls, or whatever it is that the challenge of that day, that moment is. You you live with the inefficiencies because they Mm. are not... They are not front of mind and at the technology should be an enabler. But no, I do. I, I, I think it's a bit like with a microwave and you literally, I'm the same. I just press the start button. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm yeah. pretty sure it can do a yeah. whole host of other things. But I just, I just don't use it to best effect. And this is where I see this is such a, it's criminal really because no, they aren't um, using it. And like I say to advisors, oh, you know, you could could look at that bit, that window there. See that window there? That does that. And they look at me like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know there was a. Tra- I didn't know there was transactional history sitting just in another window. If I'd have only opened it, or yeah, and they don't know the IVR experience that the customer's been through, so they don't know the context of the journey. It's just not very joined up. So. Um, I definitely see that, Martin. Yeah, definitely. The the microwave analogies, I love that. In fact, my <laughs> my mum the other day said, "Oh, we just she came round to see my daughter. She's like, oh, we're going to do some. We need to defrost this." I said, mm. "Oh, okay. I haven't I haven't prepared for that." And she went, "Oh, just use your microwave." I said, "I've oh, can it do that? Because <laughs> I'm the yeah. same as you. I pressed yeah. one. That button's worn out, by the way." <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. And, you know, I go to people who are thinking about about changing their solution and I'll sort of help them understand what it is they want out of their new solution. And I will probably understand their existing solution. And I'll say, you do know that what you've got in play will deliver all of those things that you've just asked for. And they don't. And, and, you know, and they're like, oh, I want omni-channel. Well, you, your existing solution delivers omni-channel. Oh, I, you know, do, do you know what I mean? There's, there's mm. lots of things where actually they've, already, they've got what they need. They just don't know that they've got it and they don't know how to use it. And that's a bit of churn that's happened. And new people come in and they want something new. But, yeah, there isn't a really a real clear understanding about um, what the tool can do. And there's certainly lots of unused bits of technology that by the time it hits the operations floor, they're just, yeah, not using it. So, so would, you, would you then say that, that um, even if there are people in contact centres that have no plans to um, take on new, new technology, that they, the first point that they do is to look at 
what they currently have and revisit the functionality of what they exactly. have exactly yeah absolutely so set understand your goals and then look at the where your as is and the thing is i think this is another reason where there's tension created because of course operations do keep their arms quite tightly around the contact center and i think a lot of that is because they don't feel it's appropriate for the it team or anybody else to be challenging them Hmm. And to be looking and and challenging in a really positive, healthy, continual improvement way. But this is where you've just got to say, let's just forget all that, because that's just political stuff that isn't going to get us anywhere. We need to just have a look at where we're at at the moment. And let's be completely honest about where we're at and what needs improving and who the whys and the wherefores of where you at, why you are where you are just forget about it it is as it, it is as it is as they say on love island and yes i was obsessed <laughs> with love island and yes i'm missing it greatly um <laughs> it's only hasn't even been a day yet <laughs> I, I was just bereft at nine o'clock last night i was like what am i gonna do um so it, it is about saying let's work together and understand where we're at, where we are at the moment. And mm. that's against all the goals and, and all the industry standards that you should be achieving. Or, you know, so where, where are you at with your SLAs? Where are you at with your abandon? Where are you at with your occupancy? Where are you at with your utilize? All of those standard metrics. And then just generally, where are we at with our customer experience? And have we, what indicators have we got? Where's our quality at? All of that needs really, really unpicking and then the technology bit and the decision around technology, if it's needed, comes later. But by and large, it might be that you, you can just facilitate your goals with what you've got. And do you, um, again, I'm thinking back to, you, you, you mentioned before and, and how you've just sort of verbalised that. Um, it seems to me that this is about really clear goals, but also this collaboration between um, two distinct groups, and I think if you're so, I'm thinking back to some of my experiences where I've, there's been good implementations. There has there has been a compromise from both sides, and I would say the compromise from ops and for myself and the people that worked with me was more about being present and somebody patiently walking us through what we currently did, what the um, team member and customer experience was like in detail and then explaining where there might be gaps that was a challenge because and this is a huge generalization and not true everywhere but I think if you're in operations you're conditioned to maybe not be the most patient in terms of attention to detail you just quick you just get things done and having to sit down and go through I'm, I'm going to say what those two days were like they were painfully boring but <laughs> oh, they're not boring if i'm doing them but yeah well, I know I what could, yes exactly. <laughs> i know i know what you mean and you're out you know you feel a nervousness when you're not out on the calling floor because you think what's happening with my slas with my kpis and um and you feel like anything that isn't delivering to those on that day is a bit of a waste of time but absolutely you've got to step back and you've got to invest the time and effort and and as I say, both parties have to be involved in that because what is quite interesting. So I'll do like deployment plans and and phasing plans, and then so they'll they'll have deployed the solution, adopted it in the way that everybody's agreed, and then I'll go back and do a health check three months hence and say right, how are we getting on? Because we it was agreed that we wouldn't put social media in up front. We'll just get used to the voice and the email, and then we'll go have a look at. And of course, phase two, without a bit of a prod, wouldn't happen mm. because you just you just keep having your emails, you know, being mm. managed in Outlook mm. or Google or what have you, and 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 that just is like, well, we just that's how it is because, like you say, it's fast paced um, and it works. So why rock the boat? But of course, you've got to remind yourself why you are 
looking to change and transform. And transformation is is not just technology change, it's behavioural change and it's cultural change as well. And it's about bringing everybody on that journey and making sure the detail is understood and those reasons and those motivations are very clear. Um, and that's not being e- that's not being addicted to. That's saying we are all buying into this. We all totally understand why tra- transformation is important. And of course, for ops, there's a little sense of turkeys voting for Christmas in moving, mm. you know, to self serve. There were job protection and all that side of things. So it's not an easy task, um, but it's made much harder if those two teams do not work together. Mm. Is that where, um, so that's kind of, that's some of the stuff that you'll, you'll be doing. And when you said at the outset that you can see this gap widening, where, when you've seen it, delivered really effectively have Mm. there been what have been some of those commonalities notwithstanding that you're involved of course (laughs) of course (laughs) um the commonalities are a really um collaborative cto so you know i can think of one um program that i was on that was a a long-standing program of change and and that was really down to the CTO just being amazing and understanding how important it was to have ops integral to the process and also of course above that is generally a CEO or a managing director that needs to recognize the importance of having these two teams sitting and being tightly aligned so I think that you know it's about those two factors really whoever's really driving the program Mm. for change needs to make sure that they have their counterpart completely uh, involved and then whoever's sitting above them needs to make sure that there's processes frameworks meetings in place to ensure those two teams stay aligned stay talking stay on track with one another you know, because it really is so important. And as I say, transformation. As a charge nurse, you can be a confident and dynamic leader who supports the nursing team and guides their patient care. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program equips you with strategies that prepare you to manage the ever-changing realities of healthcare while maintaining focus on family support and patient outcomes. What do you think making a difference in healthcare looks like? GCU offers over 250 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Can't happen with one of those teams going off on their own and doing their own thing. I don't think. And you you also mentioned that um, in your experience where people have kind of gone and experienced the other sides, so whether it's people from operations being involved before UAT or people Mm. in IT going and just listening to calls or seeing chats in play, just seeing the activity live. Um, Does that help address the implementation when it's, when it's in or the adoption by operational teams? Yeah, it absolutely does. It really does because there's just a much bigger appreciation of the agent experience and the customer experience. And if, if you get those two, two right, um, you, you, you're, you're much more likely to address their goals. So having when, the C, um, when people from the technical team go and sit on the calling floor, or even when you just present the story from the calling floor to them and deliver it with um, sort of commercial focus or the ROI that they can achieve and... Um, of course, there are places that have got operational leakage and there's, in, you know, there's inefficiencies going on. So and how you can sort of help them tighten those up through either purely through better operational uh, processes or through um, the deploy, better deployment of existing or new technologies. Then um, there's some real light bulb moments that go on. And, yeah, I think conversely, it's important because you know the agents generally they don't well they don't like their resource planners they don't like quality (laughs) they really don't like it because all they do is run down when the when the systems go down so there really needs to be this mutual respect um going on across, across the piece so interestingly judging last year 
for um, the European Awards. It, it was really great to see the um, judging the support teams and people like um, the resource planning team. I can't remember which business it was for, but they had gone out specifically and done an ESAT survey for them, how, how the agent community felt towards them. Mm-hmm. And then they took all the verbatim comments and, 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 and took all that feedback, changed a lot of the ways of working and the processes and then did it again and, and received a much, much higher score. And, of course, that collaborative approach and was really beneficial to both mm. parties. It made, it made the resource planning teams much easier and it made the agent's life much easier. So, and that works exactly the same way with IT. So I think, hopefully, what we're seeing is the, um, the profile of the operations team, the customer experience team, being raised and them not just feeling that they're a department to be done to. Mm. That's that's lovely. And I think equally, certainly from um, now being involved more in the quality side of things, so uh, like you say, a support function, I think support functions, and if I look back in my career, the ones where I can go, oh, they were great. It, they were great because they really engaged with us. They, they were very mm. proactive in just coming into our world, getting to know them as individuals and people, sh- shared events, whatever that may be. There's so much going on in contact centres, isn't there? Whether it's mm. sporting events mm. or charity events. If mm. IT, quality, workforce management teams are interacting a lot with operational teams, then when it comes to taking on challenges, such as introducing new technology, that's got to be better, hasn't it, in terms of... Yeah, exactly. you're all working together yeah absolutely and you know I spent the first 17 years in outsourcing and exactly the same principle um, exists there the fact that Volkswagen invested so heavily into the agent you know into the agents and my team was incredible because of course the agents felt much more invested in them. So the fact that they were on the calling floor all the time, yeah, the fact that they got to have drive a car and go to Germany to see the plate on the Tuareg being built was super <laughs> um, <laughs> over and above. But, but, but just generally, it's the same thing, isn't it? Those clients that were willing to come and understand that experience, because let's not forget, it is tough. Mm. Being a contact centre agent and a team leader and, and within operations is tough, tough. And I go in now and see that in loads of different environments and it doesn't change. I'm always absolutely outstanded by outstanding by the level of knowledge, you know, passion, um, experience that the guys on the calling floors have got. And I think somehow that gets lost when it's suddenly about IP and just, you know, scoping out a bit of a spec for a new bit of technology. And I think you, I, I, I love that. That gave me goosebumps actually, because I think those kind of <laughs> <laughs> people just doing the job and being maybe not, not necessarily overlooked, but I think the phrase you said was being, having things done to them um, mm. without much or any sense of, buy-in and maybe some of that does sit with also I look back um, and think you know what maybe we could have communicated better about I was certainly aware of projects that were happening and would impact the team and maybe wasn't quick enough in informing people just even if they weren't involved but you're, you're right in saying they should be involved operations should be involved but um do you have you seen any in doing that from the time both running outsources to now still going in and seeing agents and also the technology they're using what have you seen any big differences over the years or over, well yeah certainly yeah so over the four years that i've been independent and going in and and being involved with mainly around new technology deployments or decisions um i've seen uh, a shift when the right uh, do you mean when the sorry when the right um collaboration has taken place or just in terms of um you mentioned that you kind of you're sitting with agents and watching them do this the job with passion and knowledge and 
that they might have five to seven mm. um, applications open. Has it, in your experience, has it always been that way? Is it getting harder? What... No, I do. I do think it's getting harder. I think, um, you know, universal queues and having everything within one application is widely, widely available. And if anyone went to customer, you know, CXPO, um, you couldn't move for people selling those mm-hmm. uh, technologies. And of course, they're all that, you know, they've all got their merits. But I just see that it's a people have multimedia licenses, so they or omni channel licenses, and they just don't use them. They have they mm. say, I've got my voice agents for my voice, and I've got my, um, you know, my typing agents for my social media, and I've got my web chat agents. And they buy adjunct technologies to deliver those interactions. So it's got more complex, I think, because despite the fact that that it could all be put in one interface and in one queue, people go off and they buy adjunct technology. So the workforce planning world is much harder. The quality world is much harder. And then the agent experience is much harder because of all these disparate applications that they've got to interface with. Um, and I think, the, yeah, the expectations of them ha- have got greater as well. Um, so uh, it's really difficult because I started, you know, 20 odd years ago and I can still see some semblances of what I saw then um, in terms of the way the environment looks. I just think the desktop experience has got much harder. Mm. You'd think it would be getting easier with technology. It should. It should, shouldn't it? And this is where I think this chasm is, uh, this gap is widening between Mm. what IT buy, because as well, I think IT go off and buy some stuff that delivers the dream, but they forget to tell ops, and then ops go off and buy their own stuff. Because they've got a bit of budget for a WhatsApp, uh, you know, or a, um, a, a bit of Hootsuite or whatever the application is. And they can go off and buy that and they can do that independent of IT. And that gives them this huge sense of control and liberty. But, of course, it's not adding to the overall customer experience because adjuncts don't let you move between from one channel to the other channel seamlessly. So you are therefore not delivering an omni-channel customer experience you are delivering a siloed multi-channel offering that, uh, that, that if that customer needs to move from one to the other with that context moving with them they can't do it and all the complexity that that brings with it of course i guess that in that way the the use of the different technologies has too much of an influence on the actual customer experience because it as you just said, then it, it prevents people from maybe doing what they know is right because they then mm. they're they're prevented by the technology. Yeah, exactly. It's it's sometimes because it's siloed, it becomes an inhibitor to um, offering the client customer choice. Yeah. So and and things are more complex. You know, the CRMs are, are perhaps more complex. The integration hasn't happened with the CRM and not that that has to happen every single time for it to be great experience for the customer. But yeah, I do. And I think there's some real also the, the opportunity for delivering new technology. So like new IVR experiences or, you know, the complexity of skills based routing that you can offer. Like, like now you can do it on based on, um, if that customer liked talking to a red personality, your daughter's into psychology, so she'll totally yeah. get this. Um, <laughs> the, you know, then then reroute them back to a red personality agent, or if they had a good experience with that agent beforehand, um, and they like that type of agent, then let's try and route that type of customer to that type of agent. Well, that's brilliant bit of tech operationally. Mm-hmm. how is that really going to work I'm, am I not just going to have a whole cohort of rubbish agents <laughs> on the right hand side rubbing their hands together because yeah. nothing's getting rooted to them I don't know <laughs> to be honest I, I, conceptually I get it um, operationally I'd love to hear from anybody who's, 
who's delivering it um, to good effect. But there's, I guess that's a classic example at the moment of where what the technology could deliver and what is practically, you know, what is practical to deliver perhaps are slightly, um, you know, far, they're quite far apart. But I guess even in that example, which I love, let's say in theory that was kind of people talking about doing that. It, if you got everyone that was absolutely imperative to delivering the service that you're meant to offer to your customers in a room together and spoke about that, you would thrash it out to the point where whatever delivery then happened afterwards would be the best fit, surely. Because otherwise, exactly. like, like you say, you haven't got people with all the good intentions in the world off going a different way to solve what they or to improve what they think is best and then trying to bring it all together. Because I exactly. think you said at the start, I mean, I, I know in most operations I've been in, you try and find the quickest way, the easiest way to deliver using whatever technology you have. And that might not be the most optimum way. That might not be using all the functionality. But if you, mm. have, to if you have to deliver a certain task, here's how you do it. And then you tell other people when they come in, yeah, just do this. You know, yes. and that... <laughs> And yeah. then that... <laughs> and, and, and I always say when I do my discoveries, I say I'd like to speak to a grad bay agent or a 10 to 2 agent, as I call them. So 10 to 2 being, you know, the point after you've just passed your driving test and your arms are on the wheel at 10 to 2, exactly <laughs> as they should be. I'd like to speak to a 10 to 2 agent and then I'd like to speak to a mobile phone fag in hand agent <laughs> because I want to see the difference between what's what's coming out of the training room and how they're, they're, they are supposed to be interacting with the solutions versus perhaps somebody that's been there 18 months, two and a half years, that type of thing, who, who have found the shortcuts and they've worked out how to get away with not doing X, Y and Z because you absolutely see that. And, mm. and that's another thing as well, unless unless you go back to those fundamentals, why are we doing what we're doing and why are we asking the technology to do what we're asking it to do, people will find shortcuts and they'll, they'll stop doing things. Um, you know, like, like with call outcomes, with walkaway codes, if, if, like I say, if you're asking somebody to do seven, something 70 times a day, you've mm. got to explain to them the benefit of doing it. You've mm. got to be very transparent about what you're trying to achieve as a consequence of doing it. And, and if you're not going to invest that time and effort into giving them that appreciation, then don't be surprised if they just select the first two on the top of the list. I love that. That is so true. I love that because unless you let people know how their actions make up the bigger picture and what you're trying to achieve mm. if you have other as a disposition code and it's the first one down guess what that's where mm. everything's going so yeah that's so true mm. exactly that and yeah so there's just a lot of that really that's um that i see and experience where the 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 expedience like you just said there and about actually just delivering in day in the operations is the focus for ops and 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 perhaps IT are now looking at the new shiny functionality that they could buy and those two worlds are so far apart really and somebody needs to come together to help them come together and work out the strategy and work out how they're going to get in step with one another so whatever IT buy and uh, and deploy is is meeting the needs of the operations team and the customer experience as well obviously and this is fascinating i mean I think with your experience and skills in kind of being able to do this um i know people would have benefited from you sharing your tips i'm i'm really interested in um with your experience with your passion for the industry um and chair, so were you, you're chair of the DMA Contact Centre Council for what some three years was it? Yeah, so you, you serve a three year term on the Contact Centre Council for the DMA. So the DMA is uh, the largest trade body um, for marketing in the UK, and each each um, 
channel discipline, I guess, has got its own council. So there's a social media council, an email council, lots of others, and then there's a contact centre council. So Ben Lappin, who is head of customer experience for The Guardian, is now chair after I stood down, but I am still on the council. So, yeah, it's great because we get to thrash out some of the really um, important, not just the regulatory side of things, but of course, I did serve what I'm calling my Theresa May term because I had <laughs> <laughs> I had GDPR and the new persistent misuse regulations from Ofcom during my term, and it's like, oh, great, um, yeah. So that was a fun Christmas. Thanks, Ofcom. So. Yeah, so and um, lots of people, different people from lots of different backgrounds come together there, and we talk about some of the key issues within within contact centre and how we can better inform the industry and support certainly the member base within the DMA with best practice guidelines. So yeah, all that experience again lends itself well to helping customers del- deliver better customer and employee experience. But you, you still, though, and it comes across when we were talking before uh, we started doing the, the podcast, that you still gain a great deal of um, enjoyment from just sitting down with um, even those, and I love this one, 10 to 2 ages, but even <laughs> just, just sitting with agents and seeing them at the, maybe at the start of their journey in, I think... Oh, I pe- love it. Yeah, I love it. I think it's an amazing industry. There's not many industries where you can get 22, 23-year-olds that are in charge of 12 people. You know, they're managing a team of 10, 12 agents. So that's a lovely to see. You know, I do workshops with team leaders and they're all really enthusiastic and they've got great ideas. Um, And that's just a great part of a contact centre environment. And then, of course, when I sit with this... um, the ops managers as well, a lot of them have come from the calling floors. So my favourite was I was with a big building society a couple of months ago. And I always say, how long have you been here to the ops managers? And, um, you know, I, I generally get like 15, 15 years, 18 years. And that's, that is the truth of a lot of in-house operations. People mm. stay there a long time, which is great, but perhaps not so great for, for wide frames of reference, which is sometimes where I can help fill some of those gaps. But this lady said, I've been here since I was born. And I said, <laughs> really? And she said, yeah, my mum were pregnant with me when she worked here. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so she totally amazing. won. Yeah, it was amazing. I was like, you win. I'm never going to meet anybody no <laughs> that's well, been you know a fetus in the conception maybe Uh, oh yeah i actually i could probably speak to a few of those examples (laughs) yeah um yeah no they're great environments aren't they because it's they're people they're people based Mm. and if you like people um then you you can't get better than a contact center floor because there's just such a wide variety and all of them have got there are loads of opportunities people have got great careers who are in the contact center space you know you and I are very very lucky um to to be to have the careers we have but you know you speak to so many people who have just got a lovely um, life as a consequence of of the rich tapestry that is contact centres. Mm. What would you, um, if you could only provide one bit of advice to somebody who wanted to, whether follow in your footsteps or um, progress, develop, what what's the kind of advice you would have you would pass on to them? Immerse yourself in the industry. So go listen to all of your podcasts. I think this is a really great initiative, Martin, to really help because people are looking for information. Go to use John T's web, you know, call centre helper, use the webcast, the webcast and the podcast that he does as well. Um, there's loads of articles all over the shop. You know, I go to bed reading contact centre industry articles Um and you can, and just try and get out there as well. So people like Anne-Marie Stagwell and the CCMA will offer opportunities to go and visit other contact centres and give you that frame of reference. So, um, yeah, and just keep keep look out for, for new cool things. And I'm not, I, I really hope I haven't come across 
bearing in mind it's tech providers that pay my mortgage that this is really <laughs> <laughs> let's be clear you know love atos you know love my uh, customers um that there is some really really great technology out there and but it's just about working together in in terms of investing in it so that's the other side of it is understand what technology is available and how it can best uh, serve your your goals but make those goals super clear I love that. And I, and I think technology providers would thank you for, for sharing this thing, because I think their biggest challenge is that the full functionality of their kit is underused or, mm. or mm. that it doesn't achieve what they know it can. Yeah. And all you're talking about, it, it, it isn't poo-pooing them. It's no. saying, here's how it can be effectively um, delivered. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I've seen... You know, I've seen people cut costs considerably, channel shift in in material ways that have delivered huge reduction in in that you know investment in the voice channel. If you think four pound, is it four pound a a call? Um, if you mm. could move some of those, you know, it's it's material benefits to to businesses that the right use of technology will deliver. So. And I just and I love that advice just about kind of that there is so much information available and for people to, as you say, immerse themselves in in what is a great industry and then just take that step forward and and just go for it. Because I think people tend to wait when they don't need to. They maybe think that their voice isn't isn't valid when it absolutely is, especially if they've spent the time, like you say, to just find out what's out there. You know, see, mm. see what people like yourself are saying. It's um, it's great to hear. Yeah, no, definitely go for it, go for it. There's some great opportunities and careers to be had. Neris, this has been um, awesome. Th- thank you very, very much. Um, we'll share all the details when I um, publish this, and we'll put it on LinkedIn about how people can get in touch with you to further understand what you do, but also to maybe speak to you about some of the judging and the dma contact center council and that kind of thing but the, no the, analo- the analogies have been brilliant i love them so I'm, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I, I'm gonna go and have a proper look at my microwave now. <laughs> or pop de ping as we say in wales oh perfect yeah i love it <laughs> die down <laughs> brilliant thanks thank Martin. you thanks Neris. bye-bye thanks bye cheers bye You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! 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 Ah! Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Millions of Americans are getting back to work. CareerBuilder calls it the great rehire. And we want to help you get the best jobs before everyone else. CareerBuilder gives you the competitive edge to get the job you want, at the salary you want, with the benefits you want. We even send job alerts so your perfect job lands right in your inbox. Go to CareerBuilder.com today or get left with whatever jobs are left. Find your next job fast at CareerBuilder.com.